Welcome. Welcome to another episode of the Impact of AI, sponsored by AI Time Journal and supported by WILDA, Women Leaders in Data and Artificial Intelligence. Every week we explore how AI and cognitive technologies impact us daily, both professionally and personally. For those of you who I've not met yet, my name is Melissa Drew and I will be your host for this week's podcast. Today, we are delighted to have Asha Saxana. Asha is a partner at CEO Coaching International, founder and CEO of Women Leaders in Data and Artificial Intelligence, professor at Columbia. She is also a published author and speaker on multiple topics, including entrepreneurship, leadership, women in technology, artificial intelligence, and big data. Welcome. Thank you, Melissa. Happy to be here. First thing we always like to do on these podcasts is recognize that no journey is a direct path. Everyone typically takes a roundabout way to get to where they are today. So please take a minute and tell us how you got to where you are. You know, I I think uh, what you said is so beautiful because, you know, they say life is a journey. And in our professional career, we start with something and we land up somewhere else. Um, I started as a programmer, you know, my undergrad and grad is in computer science. So very traditional path of, you know, uh, a tech professional uh, as a programmer. And then I became an engagement manager at a consulting firm and then started my own business in data management consulting. Been a tech entrepreneur, building my own uh, businesses and, and running large technology uh, teams to build uh, data warehouses, analytics, and so on. Um, and then from there, I landed up building products, uh, healthcare analytics product, and build a software company. Um, and then became a professor at Columbia University, where I teach entrepreneurship and teach really how to build a technology business. Um, and I teach strategy and consulting uh, on growth. How do you actually build scalable organizations? And what does consulting and strategy really mean to uh, students who are in graduate uh, studies or executive graduate school? Then that led me to being a CEO coach uh, where I'm coaching CEOs on building um, high growth technology companies and really taking advantage of technology. Uh, and, and as I uh, go on the speaking engagement and um, teaching at Enterprise Data World or TTWI, what I realized is that we are living in the world of algorithms and only 12% of women are building these algorithms. And this was really concerning. You know, we live in the world which was designed by men, but the digital world which we're going to enter, um, my whole thought or my aspiration is that we bring more women leaders on the table who make and design this world for our, our next generation. And because of that, um, I started Women Leaders in Data and AI. And I'm so blessed to have our members who come from senior leadership roles in large organizations who can have uh, impact at a scale. And my journey from being a technical person, a programmer, really learning about what the journey of a woman female leader is in technology world and how lonely it can get. Uh, I think it's somehow this organization is really rewarding because it brings women uh, together. Uh, and I really started with C-suite because that's the world I understood. And now we are adding the VP level. Uh, but really the goal was to bring the C-level um, women leaders together in peer-to-peer -peer learning 
environments that they can learn and grow together and create the space and create the scale for women leaders to come together. There is so much that we could cover today, and I don't even think we have enough time. What I'd like to, to focus in on is everything that you've accomplished over these last you know, 20, 25 years. I think it's really coming full circle and, and stitched together in this new book. So Asha has a, a new book coming out. It hasn't quite been published yet, but I, I have talked to you about it briefly. And I'd like to talk a little bit more about what you've found as part of the CEO coaching, as part of the, the conversations that you have with your students, as part of the, the founder of Women Leaders in Data and AI. Where does that all come together in, in this book that you're writing? Uh, you know, so the, the, the essence of this book is really about, you know, uh, how do you build organization which actually truly use the impact of data and AI and emerging technologies. Now I talk about the, the four multiplier in this book. Um, I say that there are four technologies that's really going to change uh, our world in the future. Mm -hmm. The big data, the AI and robotics, uh, IoT and cloud, um, which is really going to really create the next wave of emerging technologies that businesses can actually use uh, to create the growth. When I coach CEOs and I'm talking to them about how effectively they're using technology. Um, and Melissa, you probably know uh, that not many companies are using truly the value of data and AI mm -hmm. as, effective, as effectively as they could potentially use. So my intent with this book is to really talk about how can a business user, uh, a business leader can understand what these technologies are first. And then uh, my intent is to create uh, a share of some frameworks with them to be able to actually implement some effective data and AI initiative, which can give them very quick wins. So the goal is that even a business user or a business leader can understand what these technologies are and be able to quickly see the rewards from these technology and application of this technology. You, you mentioned briefly a moment ago that not a lot of organizations are really using the value of, of data and artificial intelligence. Where do you think some of these challenges are existing at the C-suite? You know, I feel that um, technology has always been seen as a cost center. So even though leaders know that data is of value, they're still looking at the historical data. They're still looking at data for really looking at the historical uh, numbers and see the dashboard and scorecard based on what did we do last quarter or what did we do last year or what have we done and what has worked in last three, four years, instead of looking more on predictive analytics. Companies are starting to do predictive analytics, but really, do they trust the data? The question is, they still trust their gut more than the data because they don't believe that the prediction, you know, I was telling um, a leader and she was talking to me about the struggle she's having with adoption. Mm -hmm. And I said, think about a party you go to and you have a fortune teller sitting there <clears throat> and she says, let me tell you what your future would look like. How many people will really trust that she knows what she's talking about? It's kind of a little bit like that with the business users. They're saying, you don't know the data. Data is not clean. We don't have a good data governance. How do I trust the data? And how do I trust that what you're predicting is right? So I think it's about the AI models to be accurate. It has to be about the, uh, the varied diversity in data, the diversity of thought. And that's why I talk about how important it is 
especially in the world of AI, to have diverse team and diverse thoughts. So when you're looking at the data, somebody who's from a different ethnicity, a different age group, a different uh, color or religion can look at the data differently and say, you know what, I see that this data is not diverse, or I see this is what the data is telling me. So the importance of the diverse teams is as important as having the diverse data set or the clean data set or the access to the big data we are talking about. I think a lot of times we understand the philosophy around diversity in teams, having teams from different different perspectives from different backgrounds, you know, a global team is going to be able to think about data differently. But you mentioned just a moment ago about diversity in data. Were you thinking more specifically the diversity in data is coming from that diversity team? Or are you really tactically looking at the data sets coming from a diverse perspective? So it's actually both, Melissa. It's the diverse data set and diverse thoughts. So okay. let's say if I'm trying to sell a certain kind of uh, genes which sell really well in Europe, will that sell well in US? We don't know because the, the demographic is different in US. Can you use the same models, AI models, which are working well in Europe in uh, North America? Would that same model work well in APAC region? So the question is, do we have enough diverse data set to be able to do the prediction accurately. So we definitely need the diversity in the data set and make sure that that model which worked in one scenario, would that work in another scenario? The second thought is that do we have diversity in the teams to really identify what the, what the data is telling you? So can you look at the data differently and say, you know what, even though I see this anomaly, this is not the anomaly because I don't think we've captured the data set of uh, X percentage of certain ethnic group, you know? So really being cognizant. So if I live in a world which is black and white and I'm looking at the data which is showing me black and white, I'm happy with that data set. I think that data set is diverse. But Melissa comes in and she says, you know, I live in the world of blue and uh, greens and I don't see blue and greens. It doesn't make sense to me because I live in the world of black and white. So mm -hmm. having diversity in thoughts, in age, in gender, in religion is so important when you're building a, especially a data science teams, because you wanna have diversity of thought and also understand where the biases are coming from. Another really important piece I talk about, and the reason of really writing this book is because my thought is if the business users are not learning about or learning the new skills of data science, then technology teams can only do so much. Then the business leaders are saying technology is a cost center because they're not understanding the value of what data and AI can do for you. And so my intent really behind this book has been to really create that education which business leaders need to really understand and adopt the technologies or the application that's coming their way and not be scared of it. I mean, I tell you, you go from your iPhone seven to eight or eight to 11, you know, you're thinking, oh my God, it's a big change. So uh, I remember when I used to use Blackberry back in the days, going to iPhone was like a shock to my system. Even though you are a tech, uh, you know, te uh, technology person yourself, mm -hmm. technology is so vast that I feel like you don't use the most of it. Even on your phone, you're probably using 20, 30% of your phone. You're not really using the maximum uh, application of your iPhone. So my thought is that the, uh, the adoption 
the change management is kind of challenging in every organization. How can we educate as a tech entrepreneur who understands how businesses grow? My intention is that how can we do make sure that a product development is done in a way which is using lean startup? Can we actually build a product within a large organization and create these mini entrepreneurs who are product managers who really think about commercializing the product, really understand the market and product fit, understand what lean startup really is. So my intent is that you convert the technical army, your technical teams to really teach them what lean startup is, teach them basic on your business model canvases. You know, I call in my new book, I'm calling it a power canvas is really how do you convert a business model canvas into a power canvas by understanding the value of data. So you build your teams around the product and make sure that you understand how you're building the product and how you're marketing your product internally. Mm -hmm. How do you create a product which people can adopt immediately? You know, I love the book, One Click, um, Amazon's theory about keep it so simple that the business users will adopt it by, by you know, naturally because it's mm -hmm. easy to use. So if you keep it simple, adoption will become easier. If, if you gamify it, if you start making it fun for people, then people will try try it. But traditionally, engineers don't think like that. And that's my intent, that we have to create the shift. We have to close the gap. Technology, uh, technologists have to become more business savvy and business leaders need to become tech savvy. And that's the only way that they can maximize the, maximize the results using these emerging technologies. You mentioned something earlier that reminded me of a conversation I had recently. Um, a woman who is building a, a team for her artificial intelligence data and analytics side, she mentioned that she was really looking for individuals that could communicate the assumptions of the data, of the models, um, but recognizing that, you know, going back to the conversation around the data and the confidence in the data and will the leaders, you know, have confidence in that data, recognizing that we're not gonna have all the data we need to make the best informed decision. So we need to be able to highlight where all the assumptions are coming from. So I wanna go back to the moment ago when you talked about leadership having confidence in the data. If we're only, if we can't have all the data, you know, if we can only have 80% of the data and we can't get that other 20% and decisions are being made with a lot of assumptions because you're black and white, blue and green example, well, we have black and white and we have blue. So how confident do you feel that leaders are gonna have in this data set if we're still not able to ever get to 100%? So, you know, it's about changing uh, behavior, right? Mm -hmm. So you, if you uh, wait for perfection, you'll never get anything done. Mm -hmm. So you need to start with something in hand. So do you have to clean the entire data, data sitting in the warehouse or do you wanna start looking at use cases and you say, you know what, I really wanna focus on this segment uh, of the market and really understand this segment of the market, mm. can I get that clean? So I always say that small wins and big celebrations. So every time you create a win as a leader, you need to celebrate your team. That's a because good approach. I feel that we don't celebrate enough. You know, we are so tied up <laughs> to right playing the good game and then just going to the next game very quickly. Let's just keep winning. You know, we forget to pause and celebrate our win and our uh, team wins. And that's why I personally feel, you know, like when I'm building Wilda, uh, my biggest thing is awards, you know, let's bring people in, let's give awards, let's make sure people who are doing good job. It's even though we are women leaders in data and AI, 
we bring male allies in the group. We are 25% men in the group who are C-suite in Fortune 500 companies who come and we celebrate them. We celebrate them because it's just not a woman's journey. It's a men and women have to come together to make sure we have parity on the, on the table. We make sure that we have the right uh, set of people, qualified people, because no woman wants to get a position if she's not qualified. So bringing qualified women and men together to make sure that there are enough women on the table. So we are building a world which is great for our kids. It's a wonderful world, which is uh, at least we try to make sure it's, it's a compassionate world. And then I say that uh, celebrate the women leaders and men, male leaders who are actually working towards that and celebrate small wins. And I would take that to a corporate America and I'll say, if you're working on a project, think about how many times you're gonna celebrate you know, your small wins. Make sure make a big uh, announcement about it. Talk about the successes of your teams and go out and publish it. You know, create a newsletter or throw, you know, virtual uh, uh, coffee uh, or pizza parties. You know, whatever it may be to to announce what you guys are doing. Call yourself, brand your teams. You know, come up with a cool name and talk about your successes. Right, and when you talk about your successes, business leaders will start listening and they'll start saying, "Hmm, that business unit." you know, got a benefit out of this, we would like to do the same thing. So the more you talk about it, and again, the technology, uh, usually the engineers don't like to, they're very humble. They don't like to take the limelight. They're like, we did the work. My little gadget works really well. My models are really accurate. I'm good. I don't need a recognition, but I think recognition is really, really important in this journey because it helps the whole cause of right. having AI to be adopted. You, uh, you're also the founder and CEO of Wilda, so Women Leaders in Data and Artificial Intelligence. And that's been uh, going on for about two years now, is that right? It's actually, uh, we unofficially started it in July last year during the COVID time. Mm -hmm. And we formally uh, built the organization in January of 2021. So we are really, really new. And uh, we, are, we are very uh, rapidly growing. Uh, we are very uh, careful about who we select in the as a membership because we want to make sure we are curating it for a very high quality membership organization mm -hmm. um, with senior leaders in data and AI. And again, the goal is to make sure that we create a very solid foundation before we expand and create the scale. There are four aspects of Wilda, uh, women leaders in data and AI. The first is a membership organi organization where we bring the peer to peer uh, uh, together uh, in a small intimate setting and where they learn from each other and, and build the network. Um, the second is university. So we are actually focusing on making sure that the tech leaders get trained to be on the board. You know, we want tech, data, and AI should be the executive order. It should be on the table, on the board, in the boardrooms, thinking about how organizations need to think about data and AI as a corporate strategy. So that's the second piece, which is university building women ready for tech women ready for board. The third uh, pillar uh, for Wilda is uh, advisory, which is the expert hub. We bring all the experts within Wilda to come together and really put together a lot of content, um, playbooks. Uh, we have playbooks, frameworks, we have podcasts, and we have a book, which Melissa, as you know, uh, you are uh, chair chairing that initiative, <laughs> uh, bringing all the women leaders together where we are combining, consolidating our knowledge to put together a book where we will have um, the world to be able to look at what the women leaders have learned and, and how they're sharing how to build 
um, a successful data practice, a, a CDO office. And then lastly, it's Academy. It's a 501c3 organization where we are building the next generation of women leaders. So we are actually building anyone who is in data, a woman leader uh, who is in uh, data and AI between five to 10 years of experience. So there are a junior women compared to the C-suite and the VP level in our uh, will.tech. The Academy is going to be focusing on the women who are entering the workforce. They've spent five to 10 years in the industry and they're learning to climb the ladder. So that, that group goes into the academy. And then we have multiple programs. We have quarterly events where we bring in younger women from high school, colleges, or entry-level positions in uh, corporate America to come in and learn how to get into this industry. And the, there are four strong pillars, which I feel that women leaders in data and AI can actually develop and create a better place for uh, leaders to climb the ladder. Yeah, I didn't realize it until you just explained it, but you've got this pretty well covered. You've got Wilda, which has a, a focus on women leaders that are already at that, that leadership, VP, C-suite. You've got the academy, which is focused on individuals that are early stages of their development within those leadership roles. And then you're also a professor. So as a professor, you're influencing those students before they even come out of, of college. So let's, let's take a little bit more focus on the role that you have of that influence with what you're doing at Columbia. You know, uh, I tell you, uh, I started teaching for a while now. I mean, I got involved with Columbia University. I started with actually Columbia Business School where I was the entrepreneur in residence. And then I started teaching. Uh, and I, I, start, I got engaged at 2008, 2009. Mm -hmm. And then I served as an entrepreneur in residence from 2012 to 2016. Um, so I've been engaged with Columbia Business School for a, a long time, and then I became a professor, adjunct professor at Columbia Business School. I taught data-driven entrepreneurship, um, and now I'm at a Columbia University uh, Mailman School of Public Health, where I teach entrepreneurship and um, consulting, uh, strategy and consulting. And I tell you, it's a very uh, rewarding experience. Uh, I feel that everybody at certain stage in their career should go back and teach because you're building the next generation and you're sharing your experiences with the next generation. My goal for um, these uh, students who are coming in the graduate school is to really learn from um, experience. So in both my classes, I make sure that they touch a lot of real life stuff. So they get to learn about what's happening in the, uh, in the world in corporate America or in businesses and how and what lessons learned. I bring a lot of entrepreneurs in, in my class. I also bring in uh, organizations which are in our consulting and strategy class. We, have, we work with organizations where we are helping them build a strategy. So uh, the students get life, uh, you know, uh, uh, learning experiences through real, real life experiences. And I think that's where I see the hunger for these young kids to learn and grow. And I think as the senior leaders in Wilda, that's what we are trying to do is make sure that we touch the next generation. So as we wrap up our time today, what are some lessons learned? What are some, some things that you've experienced that you can give that information out to others that are listening so that they don't have to go through and spin the wheels all over again? You know, I always say that, um, always be curious. Uh, I think 
life is about learning. It's a, you know, be a student of life. You never stop learning no matter at what stage in your career you are, you know. Uh, so I, I always be hungry to learn more and always be a sponge, at least early on in your career. Make sure you absorb a lot, listen a lot. I also say that, you know, the more you listen, you know how to respond better. So really listen to listen, not to respond. Uh, the second thing I would say is that uh, if you're in, in a corporate America, if you're in an organization, large organization, you want to make sure you understand the difference between power and influence. Mm -hmm. So you may not have power, but you need to learn to influence because that's your skill set. I always say that you can be a leader even if you don't have a title. So learn to be a leader and make sure you take the initiative. And lastly, I always say is that be honest to your work. No matter what your job is, you want to make sure you give your 100, 110% to the job. If you're sincere to your job and if nobody's watching, it doesn't matter. Your work ethic stays with you. So always give your best, no matter where you are, and especially when no one is watching. Because when you are doing the best at all times, believe me, it pays off because you learn so much by doing the best you can. Oh my God, that's brilliant. Oh, that's just brilliant. I thank you so much for being on, on this, uh, taking the time out to talk to me today. Absolutely, when your book comes out, we definitely would like to invite you back and let's talk a little bit more in depth about that. Thank you so much, Melissa. Right. I love the conversation. Right. Thanks.